0: Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness what drives our personal actions, behavior, and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization, and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. This is Core Truth, where we discuss the philosophy of poor belief therapy created by Rudy Eckhart. I'm your show host, Mark Follett, and today we're going to discuss the law of attraction, or rather, we're going to debunk the law of attraction in the way that is normally presented in today's world. Um, my experience of it, reading books and things and seeing in social media, is that it's related to gaining wealth and gaining happiness through wealth, as Rudy would put it. And uh, and I think that we need to talk more deeply about the methods by which things are attracted to us. But before we do that, I'd like to focus you, your attention, Rudy, on how we are how we can debunk this theory in the way that it is currently presented.
1: Well, the way the way it's currently presented, and uh, we just looked at some videos um, of people presenting the law of attraction, as they call it, um, is that supposedly that you can just get what you want, no matter what it is you want, um, by attracting it to yourself through positive intent and positive thoughts. And um, it is a very simple supposition, and unfortunately it holds some areas, it holds some truth, but it is, like they say in the court, not the whole truth, (laughs) and nothing but the truth. Unfortunately it is full of distortions, it is uh, incomplete in its presentation and therefore uh, misconceived by most people to be just a simple thing of I think positively and therefore I will get what I want so there's a lot more to it because to understand how this process of attracting things to ourselves um, actually works, you need to know a lot more than what you've been presented with mm. because there's a certain reality about this which will explain to you why in in effect. A lot of people, if not most people, who try to work with the Law of Attraction are unsuccessful in doing so. Mm. And that's why it's a bit of a um, misrepresentation. Because if it was as simple as that, why aren't we all living this way? Why don't they teach this at school? Why isn't this part of life? Because according to the Law of Attraction, we'd all be wealthy, happy, and content just by obeying this little law, Mm. which seems to be presented very easily um, as as something you can do easily and and easily get to. So, yeah, I want to talk about what actually happens versus what we are presented with Mm. and what we then assume will happen um, if we use our mind in a particular way.
0: Mm. And I mean, at face value, the idea that we attract to ourselves um, things that, we want to attract into our life at a conscious level is, is a little bit different to the way that you've presented belief systems where we've talked about negative experiences being a result of your negative beliefs. So that, in a way, seems to correlate with what they're talking about. If, if, you're, if you have negative beliefs, then you will attract negative experiences into your life as a result of those beliefs.
1: Well, actually, they don't present it like that. Mm. They presented it if you have negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you think in a negative way, If your your thoughts are filtered by negativity that is um, kind of um, lurking in your subconscious mind, uh, if if you allow your mind or your thoughts to be filtered by those negative beliefs or this negative state of mind, you will produce whatever negativity will produce. what well, is not properly identified what this negative mind actually is all about. Mm. Uh, what well, is not really identified is where your thoughts are coming from. And there is no mention of feelings. Or fear. Well, fear is totally excluded from the whole dialogue of talking about um, the um, law of attraction. Uh, because it's almost like the inconvenient truth, like uh, <laughs> Mr. Moore always brings up. Um so it's, it's, it's an inconvenient truth because fear has not been recognized because it doesn't fit in with the law of attraction in the way these people think.
0: I suppose, I'm just thinking about it now, if, if you had this, if, you, if your surface level understanding of this was that negative thoughts created negative outcomes, then you wouldn't want to think about fear because you'd think that that was what was going to attract fear into your life. It's it's a very uh, unusual, like it's a very disconnected view of how things work.
1: Well, I think it all starts off with people not knowing how their mind works.
0: Mm. And I think we should discuss that today because we haven't really talked about it on the show and it's quite a deep topic, but I mean, I think your explanations of it are quite useful in uh, in helping people to understand how their mind works. It's very, very important information for yeah. people.
1: Because by not understanding how your mind works, you finish up not knowing why you think the way you think, why you feel the way you do, why you act the way you act, why you respond the way you do, um, and what effect you have not only on the world, but what you bring into your life through the experiences you create with all the these various aspects of yourself which, which then um, give you an experience of life which is either good, positive, or negative, sad, painful. Hmm. Um, When you don't understand how your thoughts are formed, how your feelings become a part of you, and how you um, then find yourself enacting those um, emotions and thoughts, then you don't understand yourself. And so, what the truth is, I think, about most people is that they basically act on feelings and thoughts. It's often their feelings that are first to arrive, which then are interpreted by thought and which are then enacted upon by behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, all these three things are linked with each other, but they're not the cause, and that is the hardest thing for people to get.
0: They're not the cause of the feelings.
1: Well, the feelings in themselves are not the cause. Yes. And the thoughts in themselves are not the cause for what we experience. And the
0: behavior, certainly. And the
1: behavior seems to be the cause, but it feels for most people that they can't do anything else but but behave the way they do. It's like a compulsion. Mm. It is like a no alternative response to something. And so, our education is part of this, I mean, what I'm trying to say is this, is that our parents don't know, our parents are not aware of why they do the things they do. If they did, they wouldn't have parented us the way they have. So our parents are are ignorant of their own thought processes, the reasons for them, the reasons for their feelings, the reasons for their behaviour, and therefore are unable to educate us, if not themselves, uh, as to how our consciousness operates. So that is the biggest handicap that we have. Mm. Um, Down the line, when when we go to school, there's nothing in our schooling system or our education system that teaches us about our consciousness, that teaches us about the world, but that teaches us about the person who's perceiving that world. Mm. So they don't teach us about us. They don't teach us about who we are, why we are, how we function in the world, and why that is so. So whilst we're learning a lot about the world and we develop our knowledge and intellect based on that. It is all external. So we we learn about history, we learn about mathematics, we learn about language, we learn... So we learn to communicate, we learn to calculate things, and we learn uh, about the things that have happened in the world and perhaps the potential of what might happen in the future. And so so we know about things, but not about ourselves. So we, we, we learn about what is out there and what is being perceived, but we're not learning anything about the perceiver and why he perceives the way things are in the way that he does or Mm. she does, yeah? So so there's a a massive shortcoming in our education, in our awareness. Because of that, when somebody comes up with something as simplistic as the law of attraction and then comes up with some convoluted explanation as to how this works, because it fits in with the expectation, right? then then we we believe it because we have not been educated to have any clarity of thinking around this because we don't even know who we are. Mm. So let alone, we, we don't understand, we don't even understand the reason for the thought. So how can we presume to know the thinker? <laughs> do you understand? Yeah. We don't even know why we behave the way we do. So how can we presume to know the, the doer, mm. Right. My work has always been about changing the doer and changing the thinker, because I believe that the work I do because of its success uh, points out how that operates, yeah? Mm. If if my work wasn't successful and it didn't change people, then I'd have to admit, you know, what I'm doing is not effective, so therefore the philosophy it's built on is not right. It Mm. can't be right if it's not working. But whatever it is, I, I I have included in my philosophy, and when I apply it within the context of a session with an issue that a person has, then and the, and change take place. Then I have to think, well, you know, this whole process from beginning to end, the philosophy that that flows into a process that flows into a, an outcome, right, has to have truth in it, otherwise. Outcome wouldn't be what it was, and since I've been doing this since roughly around 1992 93, um, I know some of the people I worked with still. And um, by all accounts, you know, the changes are permanent, Mm -hmm. people don't revert back to behavior. So, this is not a behavioral change, it's a change of the core essence of your being, the core personality of who you are. Who you perceive yourself to be? Yeah, that's a very good explanation. I probably—it's not quite the core personality, but what it is that you bring yourself to becoming that core personality, mm. that authentic self.
0: I think I think one of the things that I really like about your work is that you see it as a high, very high priority in the work you do with patients is to educate them—or not patients, with the people you work with—is um, to educate them in your philosophy because an understanding about themselves mm. helps them to change. Uh, as part of the process. So it'd be really good if you could probably give a similar explanation to our listeners about how their mind works, how their belief systems work. So what I was hoping you could do for us today, Rudy, is to explain at a at a basic level, I suppose, how belief systems work, how feelings and thoughts and behaviors are actually created. What How does that mechanism work? Because I think that basic understanding is what then we can then base our understanding of ourselves on. The, the education that's missing, I suppose, in the systems you talked about earlier.
1: I think there's a couple of elements that we we um, we don't deal with in life because we're unaware of them. And we aren't aware of them because our parents are not aware of them and society in general does not recognize um, that these elements exist. and while some people might think that knowing about your consciousness is like a specialized area, and somehow it's only the realm of the few that are educated in this, the reality is we all should know about our unconsciousness. We should know ourselves. We should know how we function because it is our consciousness. It is not like something we lend from somebody (laughs) or it is something that we have... um, um, it's like a tool that we use, like a, like an iPhone or something, that we don't understand what's inside of it, and how it works, but we know how to, how to work it on the surface. Um, you can't live life like this. You can't live life like you would use an iPhone, because, yeah, it's, it's okay for you not to know how an iPhone works inside. You don't need to be the technician and know every detail of the programming and the hardware that's in an iPhone to be able to use one. But that's not acceptable for your mind and for your consciousness. It's not acceptable for you to operate on the surface of your mind, which you would be doing, if you just listen to your feelings and your thoughts and just behave without questioning any of that and not understanding where all this comes from within yourself. Because you are the iPhone, if you like. You need to know yourself.
0: (laughs) You need need an instruction manual. Because
1: your experience of you depends on it. Your experience of you, as it is reflected by the world, right? It depends on you knowing who you are and why you are the way you are. You cannot claim or, 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 or say to yourself, it oh, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because it's totally relevant to the experience of yourself. You cannot be an unhappy, dissatisfied, discontented person or be a victim or feel that you're poor or powerless in life, right? Uh, and then at the same time say, oh, I don't care. I don't care how my consciousness works. It's not important.
0: Yeah, I don't know how I attracted these things into my life, if to use the law of attraction yeah. analogy. Yeah. yeah, and then say,
1: oh, I don't care how my mind works. You know, I just, I just want to be able to get what I want without having to make the effort <laughs> of having to know how my mind actually works and how to question it and how to interrogate it and how to understand myself. Because ultimately, even though you may not know it right this minute, but I'm going to tell you this, is that you were born to be someone that is authentic to who you are. So your core personality, if you like, the core nature of your being is in essence who you are. You were born to be. When you grow up and you turn out, later in life, not to be that person, that your behavior, your actions, your choices, don't reflect the authentic self and actually reflect the person in fear, in powerlessness, in anger, in resentment, in dissatisfaction and discontent, right? Um, Then you are not living the life you could be living. To be able to live that life, it's essential that you understand the nature of your unconsciousness. It, there's no way that you're going to solve your problems by manipulating the world.
0: Or by changing your behavior. Yeah. By changing your behavior,
1: by, by thinking, if I do this, then I will get that. So by um, even through try, trying to change your thoughts as if you can control your thoughts, and become in the habit of thinking certain thoughts <clears throat> and making the reason for them not being there in the first place go away by doing that. In other words, by being positive to override the negative.
0: Mm. Like you push all negative thoughts aside and and consciously supplant them with, with so-called positive thoughts.
1: Without you understanding why you have the negative thoughts in the first place mm-hmm. and the negative feelings mm. and have a negative reaction. Mm. So my my understanding in the early part was that there had to be something that um, caused people to manifest and create the unhappy life or the disappointing life or the powerless life that they experienced through the events and experiences that they created in life, which they attracted, but, but also attracted to. See, it's not just a matter of Attracting something—it's also it's of—it also has to do with attracting, being attracted to those things. Yes.
0: Yeah. Now. Which we've talked about before in relationships to some extent as well.
1: But it obviously works in everything. Yes. In life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In everything in life. So um, I want to come up with a very with a relatively simple, straightforward explanation for everything, right? And I think it has to start with this. I said, when we're, when we're born we have a very specific expectation that is present in every child. And that, ex- that expectation is to be unconditionally wanted, to be unconditionally loved, to be unconditionally accepted and trusted. This is what the child expects. That unconditionality needs to be extended into every area of contact. So un- unconditional attention, unconditional acknowledgement validation, unconditional endorsement and approval, unconditional consideration and appreciation this is what a child expects and anticipates when it comes into life
0: is that that is that the expectation because there's an intent to express the child to express itself as its um, as its innate self, as its authentic self, is that… It is already its authentic self, but
1: but the child has this expectation not in a conscious way. It is part of the child's beingness without the child being conscious of this state of mind. It it doesn't have an actual kind of thought process happening, right, that includes that thinking, right? Mm -hmm. What a child does have is this expectation as a state of mind, rather than as a specific thought of mind. So, as it comes into the world, I don't know whether anybody has had children or has had been near newly born children, but that newly born child cannot take care of itself. If nobody took care of it, it would not survive. Yet, it has no fear. There's not an ounce of fear in that child. If it is in discomfort, it will cry. If it feels hungry, it will cry. But it's not in fear. And so the, the, the fear that we acquire has to come from outside. And so my thought at the time was, how does it come about? How how do we get to be in fear? What does, what does fear actually represent? And if I was to ask any anybody on the street what fear is, they'd give me examples rather than, Telling me what fear is as a state. Now, what I came to the conclusion of is that fear is a feeling that we get into once we become separated or disconnected from unconditional love, acceptance, and trust. So, in other words, when we are denied unconditional love, when we are denied unconditional trust, uh, sorry, unconditionally loved, being wanted, and accepted. The moment we are denied, we are denied because the, what there appears to be a condition that we have to meet.
0: Like so, it becomes conditional love. Exactly. You know? yeah.
1: So love becomes conditional. Acceptance becomes conditional. Um, being wanted becomes conditional. If my if my mother and father wanted a boy and I was born a girl, right? Then the condition is that I am a girl that I'm feminine in order to get the love that they withhold because I'm not a boy, and vice versa. Yeah? Mm-hmm. If I was to be born a girl, and I was, or I was born a boy and I was expected to be a girl, it would be the same, right? Um, but if I was expected to be beautiful and I'm not a beautiful child, or if I was expected to be obedient and compliant and I'm not obedient and compliant in the sense that they expect it, right? If they, if my parents are fearful of, um, um, say, just, and I'm not talking here about aggressive parents, I'm not talking about abusive parents, I'm talking about parents who, who are actually fearful of confrontation, they don't like aggression, and it's, it's gone so deeply in them, they don't like sudden and aggressive noises, they don't like argument, they don't like somebody saying no or refusal. They don't like conflict of any kind, no matter how minor it may be. And so the moment that I, um, as a child, uh, fight with my little brother over a toy, I'm being made to feel guilty for for fighting for my little space, right? For stopping my brother taking it away from me. Um, for... Um, being argumentative for being angry. And so I can't I can't respond to my natural feelings in in respect to things that I experience, right? Without being suppressed and having conditions placed on my behavior. And then that means for a child having conditions placed on its beingness, mm. on its presence. So now it can because a child will internalize an experience between it and the parent, as being about itself. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the action. So if a child, if a child um, um, doesn't clean up its toys, right, and the parent starts yelling at the child for not doing so, the child feels unacceptable and unwanted. Mm-hmm. It doesn't relate it back to cleaning up the toys.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because I've read a, a fair few parenting books. I parent myself, so I went through a phase of reading parenting books. Um, and one of the things that's that's prevalent in there is that is that you need to differentiate in your language to a child the difference between the fact that their behaviour or that their, the things that they've done is unacceptable rather than saying to them, you're not acceptable. But it sounds to me like the child doesn't interpret it that way anyway. Not easily. Mm. Not easily. Certainly a young child probably doesn't do, do, interpret ha- interpret the difference at all.
1: I say to parents like now, when they often ask me or they have a, a young child and I want to give them advice to support them in rearing their child in a way where they at least, um, I don't believe strictly in strategies being the only solution, but while they're in the process of change, and the parents are coming here, I say to them, never say no to your child. Never refuse them. And they say, well, what do I say then? I say, well, you say to the child, not today, tomorrow. You create um, a future for them to grow into. You say, no, you can't have a bike because you're not old enough yet. But when you're seven, you can have a bike. Um, No, you can't go there today. When we... A future, when a future event happens, then we can go. Mm. So, instead of saying no, for a child, no is a dead end. No means nothing. No means it will never happen. A child has no concept of time. And so, therefore, something is always, always or never.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're always yelling at me. You never give me what you what I want. He always gets to do what he wants. I never get... you. Mm. Children talk in those terms because they don't have a sense of time and it's not related to a sense of future.
0: Mm. I like to give my children choices too. So I, I basically don't tell them what they have to do, but I give them, say, two or three acceptable choices and let them decide for themselves.
1: Yeah, even if you manipulate that and you give them a totally unacceptable choice and one choice <laughs> you want
0: them to make. They're still making a choice. They're,
1: they're still they? making a choice and there's a certain sense of control. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do for a child is to give it no control over itself, at least perceived control.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you then direct a child in the right direction, or give it experiences where it is forced to take the right direction, like you know, if you if you do that, you'll get hurt, and then they get hurt, and then they think, well, you know, I shouldn't have done that, <laughs> because they they know very well that they made that choice. Mm. They usually right? only
0: touch the oven once.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you burn your fingers once. Once, yeah. Yeah. or you see your brother burning his finger, you're not stupid enough to go there yourself. Mm, mm. Yeah? So so children learn from one another and learn from their environment, but you're not going to educate a child in any way by being critical or saying no, or by giving them no choice. Mm. So this plays back into our own life experience, right? And we go back to explaining how we come to have the thoughts, feelings, and intents that we live with, right? So, when there are conditions, to go back to that, when there are conditions of love, acceptance, and trust, the child internalizes that as being a part of its own beingness. So, it takes the negative side on and believes that there is a condition to be met in order to be loved, in order to be accepted and trusted and wanted. And so, from that comes a fear. And that's when the first time the emotional fear becomes a part of their sensibility. Uh, And so once that that fear arrives, the fear is about not being able to meet that condition. Mm. So from here on in, the child is always in a state of mind whereby it can potentially not meet the condition and not be loved, not be wanted, not be trusted. And as a consequence, feels rejected, abandoned, deserted, unwanted, undesirable, not
0: good enough, inferior, you know? And where do you think that, that pattern of belief or that that fear that becomes a belief it becomes eventually
1: a belief. the child will internalize that. Uh, where, depend-
0: like where, where it, like it either happens
1: progressively.
0: Yeah, but where does or it, it hap- store? Where, Sorry, where is it stored as well? it's like?
1: usually in the subconscious mind right. because because the child is also born with an emotional survival mechanism, which actually overrides our physical survival mechanism. Mm. So, our emotional survival mechanism is based on the fact that we intrinsically and intuitively and at the core center of our being want to live, want to exist in a state of unconditional love, acceptance and trust. We all do it, but we don't realize that this is the case. Mm. That's why we are always drawn towards harmony, inner emotional harmony, and always feel stressed about disharmony. It's because it is like the North Pole. If we were a compass, we are drawn to it all the time. We have this bias inside of us without which we would not have, uh, our consciousness would not have um, a positive sense of direction. Now, the greater our fears, the more distorted our beliefs become. Now, belief systems are really interesting because once you understand how a belief system works and why we hold on to our belief system because they then become a survival mechanism to overcome our fears. Because once there is a condition and we need to protect ourselves against that condition um, um, not being becoming reality, in other words, we have to meet that condition. If we can't meet a condition, then we will be subject to negative um, responses such as criticism, judgments, or so we fear or rejection, abandonment, or being punished, or demeaned, or belittled, or ridiculed, or shamed, or embarrassed. The list is
0: endless, right? So to use your analogy there with the compass, is that the, the compass points... You're born with a compass. It po- hang, on, it hang, on, hang on, let me just finish oh, this, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. So so when you form this belief, right, you you your belief is a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. So your fear-based beliefs Right, are part of a warning system that you create, which is fear-based...
0: It's a safety system.
1: ...to protect you from rejection, to protect you from all the negatives that you perceive
0: will be happening. Is that related to that emotional survival? That, well, it is. Instinct, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, yes. It's also related to that part of emotional survival. Mm. And so to survive emotionally, we've now gone from expecting unconditional love to be a truth to... Um, having the realization that we are not acceptable to our parents and therefore need to engage into a different behavior, which is then a product of the belief we acquire that if we don't engage in this behavior, we will um, be subject to rejection, exclusion, criticism and judgment, right? That belief system has an intent, like everything in life has an intent. The belief, if you have the belief you are unacceptable, then the intent of that belief is to A, not accept yourself, because you are, by definition, as a human being, according to your perception of yourself, unacceptable. So you can't accept yourself because all the reasons that you were criticized and judged for by your parents are now a reality within you. And so you do the criticizing and judging yourself. To yourself. You're self-critical, as we know it, right? And you continue the process because you think you're unacceptable. But once you believe that you're unacceptable, you're of course going to believe that other people won't accept you for the same reasons as you perceive yourself to be unacceptable. So from that comes generally two outcomes, and they can intertwine, but generally two specific outcomes. You are either use a passive approach in life to become acceptable or you will use a negative or an aggressive approach I should say to become acceptable so the passive approach would be like a pleaser an accommodator a fitter inner somebody who doesn't want to upset the apple cart doesn't want to be experience anything with anybody where they get the um, impression that that person won't accept them or yeah. won't like them or won't include them or potentially reject them, right? Um, the aggressive approach would be is to engage in practices and behavior which will um, make people uh, like you. So there's a bit of a uh, flow over, if you like, from the pleaser into the aggressive pleaser or the person who will be in your face and says this is who I am, take it or leave it, you know you accept me or you don't but I don't give a shit I don't care, Mm. right I just swore I think Um, so in that way that person aggressively trying to force acceptance out of other people Mm. the more aggressive you get in doing so the less likely your acceptance to be a part of your experience with other people. So you get people who, who, um, who feel unacceptable, and then dress themselves in outlandish ways. Um, may use all forms of, and I'm going to mention some things that are probably going to offend some people by saying so. Uh, who are going to put tattoos all over the body, or put earrings in, or stuff, or cut the hair in unusual ways, or. Um, wear clothes that are Mm attention-getting, right? As if to challenge the sensibilities of other people and then kind of challenge their, um, how can I say that, their intention to accept them or not Mm. by making themselves so different and so, let's say, unique in their appearance and presence and behavior that other people are challenged in, do I accept you or not, because you're such a weird person, mm-hmm. you know, to them, yeah. Yep. to the individual. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when the person then says, you're strange, why, why do you do that? Why do you dress like that? Why, why do you do all that to yourself? Right? They say, you see, they don't accept me.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah.
1: unacceptable. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. they'll say to themselves. Yeah. And they get angry, right? And so, you might have to edit this, actually. Um, <laughs> and so… Um, the response that they get is actually fulfilling is actually fulfilling of their expectation that they're unacceptable. And the person that struggles through pleasing and accommodating to be accepted has to, finishes up having to compromise a lot of themselves and putting other person other people before themselves in order to get that acceptance. Mm. So they compromise themselves literally out of existence. In other words, they don't exist because they exist to make the other person accept them and therefore they give up an individual existence because of that
0: mm. as a pleaser.
1: Okay. Now, before we, before we... Oh, do you want to ask a question about... What were you saying earlier on?
0: No, I was just going to say to use your analogy of the compass. Um, so you're, you're born into the world with a compass towards unconditional love, acceptance, and trust, like a compass points to the North Pole. And the unconditional love you you receive, or the conditions that are placed on love by your family, are like putting magnets around the compass, and you lose your you lose your direction to some extent. Is that? Well, you basically yeah, you basically give priority to your fears. So it's almost like a strong magnet is nearby and it points towards a magnet instead of pointing the compass towards unconditionally.
1: Yeah, it's a great visualization of the the idea of that because those those other um, wind direction, if you like, um, they are represented by the fears that you follow. A fear is very difficult to ignore because it challenges your uh, sense of emotional survival. And so, because you want to emotionally survive, you will more easily give in to your fear because it implies that you will be safe. So, a fear is a bit like an illusionary friend who pretends to be your friend by telling you what not to do, how not to behave, what not to say, how not to act, or how to act in an aggressive, uh, strong... um, overwhelming and overpowering way in order to deal with your survival. Because it, it, it is almost like, um, like somebody for instance who, who um, becomes aggressive and violent in a situation, we hardly talk about these things because he's supposedly offended by what somebody says and therefore needs to punch him and knock him down because he's not going to be spoken to like this. He has to prove that he's more than that, deeply believes that he's worthless and insignificant, Mm. and has to use violence and subjugation of another individual to prove to himself that he is empowered, in control, and that he has value. Now, that's a pretty extreme form, but it's not uncommon. Mm. Mm. It's not uncommon at all. It's actually more common than what one would think. we, we, we often talk, when we talk about the mind, about the, uh, how we respond or react emotionally, but the physical aspect of that, and there's a podcast that has gone out on domestic violence, mm-hmm. is, is, is one of those um, examples of how our belief system um, can drive us, a negative belief system can drive us to extremes, mm. because of the strong sense of powerlessness and worthlessness and insignificance, that we harbour because of the fear-based belief systems that we have taken on, which are in actuality conditions placed on being unconditionally loved, acceptance and trust, mm. supported and taken care of.
0: So then I, I guess I'd eventually like to draw this back to the law of attraction discussion that we're having, but the, you're, you're in the, I think you're in the middle of explaining sort of the how, how our consciousness works, and you, you've spoken about how fear is created... And how negative beliefs are created? Can you so explain how they then influence our feelings and thoughts and behaviours?
1: Well, the feelings were probably the most obvious thing because yeah. fear is in itself a feeling as well. Mm. It's not just a a part of a belief system, but it is a um, in 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 the form of condition of a condition.
0: Mm. Um, I think people even feel like panic, or they and they don't really understand why they're in this. Constant stress, constant anxiety. stress, anxiety, yeah. panic kind of state. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what you're talking about, isn't it? That's the feeling. Well, it can be. Yeah. It
1: can be. Uh, it can be just in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, once it is a part of you, it is there to one degree or another. Uh, it can be quite debilitating for some people in that they actually live a life of hiding themselves and um, withdrawing from reality. Feeling it really difficult to just face life in a general sense, mm-hmm. because life looks like a threat. Right? There's so many different fears that I can't even. Uh, we could just try to label them, and we'd be sitting here for the next half hour just coming up <laughs> with different fears. I think what is essential is that once you have a fear, that it models your thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, so models your conscious thinking.
1: Yeah, your conscious thinking is modelled by your by your by your emotions,
0: by your subconscious fears and nature. So your
1: subconscious fears generate your emotions, and also your thoughts, mm. because your thought is, is 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 like a way to structure a combination of perception, if you like, feelings, and you structure your Intent, although it it there's an intent already in say being un, being uh, being unacceptable.
0: So there's a fear-based intent.
1: There's a fear-based intent that that plays a part in this. You try to often structure and conscious intent in order to deal with the situation that you feel you're in. Um, often behaviors have already been drilled into you by the condition that is created, and let me explain that. When there is a condition on something, the parent most of the time implies what kind of behavior is expected from you. If, so, if parent says to you, stop being noisy, what is implied is that you are quiet.
0: Mm-hmm. Or it might even be stated, yeah, I need you to be quiet. Yeah, yeah.
1: but they may not. Mm. They may just say, stop being noisy. Stop talking so loud. Mm-hmm. Stop talking all the time. Stop talking at the table stop talking when I'm talking. You know, this. all those things imply that I have to be quiet. And so I might grow up f- um, being fearful of speaking my mind, speaking my peace, um, making a point, uh, speaking up at a gathering, um, being at a meeting at work and um, expressing my ideas around a certain concept or requirement. Um, it will affect me in every way. When I'm sitting um, with other people, I don't actually express my issues and problems and my fears and insecurities because my parents never wanted to hear them. (laughs) Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Because they didn't want to deal with my stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I believe then that I have to contain them and hold them inside of myself. So my strategy, my behavior, is not to show any emotions and feelings that are of a negative kind. Um, I think that's quite common, actually. That a More common than what we would like to think. Mm. But, yeah, a mm. lot of people have an issue expressing their feelings and emotions.
0: Especially on the negative side. Yeah. It can
1: also be perceived or made, you can be made to be perceived by your parent who cannot himself or herself deal with their emotions and restrain them because that's where it often comes from, that being like that is being weak and being inappropriate mm. and being an imposition on other people and um, being intruding in other people's space with your emotions. So embarrassment and shame can be part of all of that.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, I, I'm i just mentioning all these things just to show you how complicated they can get, right?
0: Um, do, you, do you think that plays into the discussion we were having earlier about the, the law of attraction as it's currently put forward is, is tending to be um, taught as that you should be thinking positive all the time right so then you suppress your negative thoughts to try and just think positive it's almost like a reinforcement of exactly the the type of thing that conditional uh, the conditional acceptance that you're talking about for your parents it's almost a reinstatement of that and I guess people that are attracted to that philosophy are probably people that have that belief system Mm -hmm. is that that sound right
1: I think I think that's how it's how it's um, presented mm. that you need to change your um, your negative state of mind because most times the detail that I've given today to our belief systems and where they come from is actually totally missing from the presentation of um, the law of attraction. Mm. I mean, the negative side is, is not dealt with with any clarity or oh. how it came about in the first place, mm. other than saying it is an imprint you receive from your parents. But the mechanism is not, imp- not explained mm. and the why is not explained and why you hang on to it is not explained. Um, the fact that we need to hang on to it for our survival plays a very strong part because basically what the law of attraction is saying that a survival mechanism that you acquired as a child to survive the potential for rejection and being abandoned or judged and criticized, you can just overcome that by having a positive thought. And the positive thought that you have is not one that says, I will be loved or I will be wanted or I'm, I'm, I'm desirable, I'm lovable. The positive thought that they're proposing in your mind is one that says something. What do you want? Mm. So, do you want to be wealthy? Do you want a car? Do you want to have a good job? Do you want to be paid two hundred thousand a year? Do you want? Do you want? Do you want?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. That's the proposition. You can have whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be, and it sounds fantastic, <laughs> right? And I, I, and and to some extent, I, I even agree with it. But the pathway to getting there, I don't agree with. Mm. And the need to have whatever you want, I don't agree with. Because if you are a powerless person and being in power and being in control is what you want, then that's what you're going to be wishing for to deal with your fear of being powerless. Mm. If you fear being poor, if you fear being, um, um, yeah, being poor, having no money, not being able to survive you are already in that state of mind because of the negative beliefs that you are working with. Mm. Because literally, we can't stop creating. We, we are incessant creators of our own reality. So from the day we're born, we begin this creative process and it really kicks in once our mind is formed in the first 8 to 10 years of our life. Once we get past 8 to 10 years, we're pretty well set up for the rest of our life unless we do something very consciously about
0: it. Mm, mm.
1: So we are the creators of our reality, and we do this constantly, even when we're sleeping. There's not a moment, not a breath that we take when we're not the creators. Now this means that if you have a negative belief, if you believe that you, that because your parents had um, beliefs about poverty and not being able to make money and not being able to survive and uh, live in fear of having no money, Fear of debt, fear of this, fear of that, related to wealth and abundance. You will have adopted a lot of that, and you will probably be living the life of somebody who is not very wealthy, not very rich, um, can't really survive, and therefore um, you might be attracted to the law of attraction to create wealth and abundance without ever looking why you were poor in the first place.
0: Mm. It's, it's almost like you should question the list of things that you want and say, why do I want them?
1: Well, that is one way of looking at yourself. But the the real thing you should question, why am I in the current position that I'm in in the first place? Mm-hmm. That is the, that's the first question to ask. If I'm living in poverty, why am I? Mm. What is it about me within me in my belief systems, in the way I think about things, and what was my history so I can relate it back, mm-hmm. Right that causes me to be in the current state of mind that I'm in. And the one thing you must not do in all of this is blame. Blame the outside world, blame circumstances, blame systems, blame the government. Or other people. Or- blame the welfare system, <laughs> your blame the job situation. Blame, blame, blame. Because it is not where your problem is. Your problem is within yourself. It is not outside of yourself. Mm. And knowing yourself, understanding yourself is the first step towards the awareness of knowing what you need to do and what you need to change within yourself in order to let go of the belief systems that determine your thoughts, that determine your feelings, and determine your behavior. Mm. Because that's where it's all at. Because ultimately, your feelings, thoughts, and behavior, attitude, response create the life experience that you have. Mm. If you don't do not know the source of all of this, then you do not know yourself. Worse than that, you do not know others. Because if you listen to the podcast about relationships, you realize that the law of attraction is very effective there. Yes. You will be attracted to and attract a person that not only um, maybe your sexual attraction, but also um, um, is a complete match for your issues and your problems. Yeah. Mm. And so the law of attraction, in, its, in the form it's presented, is, is falls short of explaining the real process that's going on. And also, unfortunately, it holds up uh, a promise which, which essentially cannot be true.
0: Mm.
1: Like this the idea that we all can be rich, that we can all have fantastic lives where we do have to little or do little or no work, where we can basically holiday, uh, go overseas, um, and live a life of, of, to- of totally having no care for anything. Um, uh, it always fails to mention if everybody, I mean, if it is applicable, then it must be possible for everybody. Who's gonna build the houses that we're gonna live in? If it
0: truly is a law.
1: If it truly is the law that, that this is the way mankind is supposed to live. Who's going to keep your garden? Who's, who's going to do your washing? Mm-hmm. Like, and who's going to drive, the, who's going to fly the plane that's going to take you on a holiday? In fact, who's going to build the plane?
0: <laughs> who's, who's, going to, f- who's going to cook your meals when you're on holiday? Yeah.
1: Who's going to do all of that? Who's going to make up your bed? Mm-hmm. Who wove the blankets that you slept under? How did that all happen? Who are the people that did this? What, they're not entitled? to live in wealth an and abundance and have a mm-hmm. carefree life. There's no reality in the presentation of it all. No.
0: It's just totally unrealistic. Yeah, my, my own experience of working with, with you, Rudy, first as a client was that even though even though my maybe my experiences didn't change, my perception of my experiences changed to a fact that I was satisfied with what I had because fear had, had gone out of the picture. And what I mean to say is that you, you mentioned someone before that was living in poverty and questioning why they – live in poverty, but someone that's never had an experience of poverty, but still fears poverty and they really want to be rich, but they've always had abundant in their life, but they just can't, they can't accept that. They can't accept, they always want more, right? Is obviously driven out of fear. And by doing the work that we're talking about here, by questioning why you want more and removing that fear that sits behind it, it doesn't change how much money you've got, but you're far, you actually enjoy what well, it actually got. changes what you do with the money. Change your perception of how much you've got,
1: and it changes the expectations that you have in life. Yes, it changes the way you direct your wealth. It's the way you operate with your wealth. Mm-hmm. It it is it is um, it is a whole different way of being. Which, um, if you happen to be in that situation, um, that you will actually have enjoyment if i i don't know what else to call it it's, it feels like a satisfaction poor word. satisfaction or contentment mm. in your wealth by being wealthy by doing by knowing what you can do with it mm. by by using it in a purposeful and useful way if you are in if you have wealth because of your ego because you need status because you need to tell the world how amazing you are then what you do with your money will reflect that because everything you do will be um, geared towards making people believe that you're amazing. So you have to have bigger, flashy. better, more, yeah. flashy. Mm. And it will never last because there's always another thing to want. There's another thing to have. Mm. There's another thing to put on display. Mm. And so you're constantly living in the fear of not being enough, mm. even though you've got more than enough.
0: Yeah. You know, this is, this is well, a tragic... You see that with tragic c- celebrities all the time that they... they- they kill themselves because they're in the... And you think, do you, people cry and they say, how is it possible? They had everything. They had success, they had money, but they
1: didn't have themselves. No. They didn't have who they were authentic meant to be, were meant to be. Mm-hmm. They live with fears and insecurities that we cannot fathom, mm-hmm. that we don't understand. We don't know the driving forces for um, their need to be popular, their need to have recognition, their need to have wealth and abundance because... If it is a very negative state of mind, then realizing all those things won't change anything because it's still the same person. Mm. And the person is in pain, the person is in fear. The person is a person with issues. And there's no satisfaction in any of it, no matter what amount of wealth you have. All you do then is use your wealth to deal with your fears and your pain. And that will inevitably destructive
0: Mm -hmm. so if if you use the law of attraction and it happens to work because it it can work in certain circumstances if you use this law of attraction this positive thinking and and get what you think you want you're still not going to be satisfied because you haven't removed the fear in the first place that drove you towards wanting more yeah Yeah. needing 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 more needing more now
1: I, i i understand that there are people who live in dire circumstances and in emotionally very negative situations, and uh, have a level of material poverty which is totally unacceptable, right? Um, And those people just need to, uh, for them it's obviously absolutely necessary that they get rid of of the belief systems that landed them, if you like, in that reality, Mm -hmm. okay? Because they attracted that reality, or they landed in it at birth but can't can't get themselves out of it, Mm -hmm. right? um for these people it is absolutely essential that they start to understand and learn um who they are in order to deal with their life circumstances because most of the time when we see this and th- th- they are a representation that should be um a message for for those who are not in that situation um in that in that the human mind is capable of creating any condition. Uh, we don't have a warlike world because we are at peace with ourselves. We are at war with ourselves, mm. if you like. I use that term. We, we are in war with our own fears. Our fears put us at war, if you like, right? Um, but people that, that that, if they were to change their mindset, it would, in actuality create opportunities for a different life and a life which is sustainable, a life where they have the level of material wealth and abundance that can sustain a family, that can sustain an education, Mm. that can sustain um, uh, and and fulfil needs on a level where we can live happily and freely.
0: Opportunity for personal growth and evolution of of consciousness as well. I don't think that people can... Can live and work in a space if they're in abject po- poverty or they're they're really just working themselves into the ground. They they can't then focus on creating a better world and creating in, well, uh, in improving uh, the consciousness of humankind.
1: No, those it, it, are
0: not the top priority things in the life of someone that.
1: Well, they, even improving their own consciousness and it, it's where it all starts mm-hmm. is not at that time a priority. When when you just just a need for physical survival and physical survival gets a gets a level of priority. But what we don't see is that on the level of physical survival, it is our mind that creates it in the first place. Mm. Because we are so externally focused, and we, particularly when we are in in, uh, situations where we are born into a family which is under, let's call it stress of life, whatever that stress may be, Mm -hmm. right? Then that family that you go that you are born into is very externally focused. Fear is always directed to the world Mm. because fear makes you or forces you to see the world in a way whereby the world becomes the threat, and therefore you're then solution focused in terms of fixing the world, if you like, yeah, rather than fixing yourself.
0: That's that blame culture that you're talking its
1: It's kind of a blame culture, but it's also like, it's, it seems so obvious. Like, how do I put it? I once mentioned in a podcast, I talked about how we make other people f- responsible for what we feel. When somebody says something mm-hmm. and we feel upset.
0: Offendability.
1: and Exactly. Then we blame other people, right? It is at that level we we externalize the reason for our feelings and emotions. And we talked about feelings just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Feelings, thoughts, actions, responses, right? Where they come from, right? But in that moment, we make somebody else responsible for the feelings that come up within ourselves, which are generated by us. But we respond immediately by saying, why did you say that to me? Why do you have to be so nasty, mm. right? Because I feel negative feelings come up in me and I don't take responsibility for them. I blame the other person for somehow creating them in me. Mm -hmm. Right? It is at that very simple level that we operate. And we do that subconsciously or unconsciously, if you like. Uh, We unconsciously blame the world and others in this very simple level, but we do it in all other ways as well. Hmm. Like, if we have an intent for us to build a house on a property, right? And we all of a sudden um, find something in the ground that makes it difficult for us to to build that property or it's going to cost us an extra $100,000 for the foundation or something, right? Um, We blame the property. We don't think of the fact that we chose it and that the reason we chose it and if we didn't investigate, and if we didn't look into the ground, that we, we made assumptions. We made assumptions that everything would be okay. You know, mm-hmm. we, we trusted in certain things and then we become the victim in that moment. We become the victim of that land not being what we expected it to be. Do you understand? We, we, we don't own our perception. We don't take ownership of um, how we generate our emotions and our thoughts. Mm. Mm. Uh, and that is that can only happen taking that ownership can only happen by inner introspectivity or by being self-aware looking inside of yourself and saying who am I really who do I believe I am and who am I truly who is my authentic self versus my belief system selves based on fear
0: Mm.
1: right because it is this inner knowing are we um, that is the key to um, to becoming the creator of your reality in the way that um, the law of attraction implies. Mm. Like if you really want to be the creator of your own reality, and forget about the law of attraction because it's just an aspect <laughs> of being that creator, right? If, if you want to create from unconditional love, acceptance and trust, you need to let go of your fears, your fear-based beliefs. Because as long as you hang on to those, they will sabotage your life. They will create your feelings. They will manipulate your thoughts. They will drive you into certain behavior. And as long as that's the case, you're not really in control, but your fears are. Mm. Your fears are living your life. And really, the only the true way to get rid of them is to by knowing them, understanding them, and going through a process of. Process of letting go of them
0: of real change,
1: and that will represents real change. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic uh, wrap up you've given us there, Rudy. Um, probably one thing we need to talk about a little bit more in another episode, perhaps, is is about intent because I think you mentioned it in there in the and the anecdote you gave about the the intent for someone to to choose a property and the, and the foundations you know to build a house. I think we need to talk more about intent to understand a little bit more about ourselves. But for for today. Um, probably have to wrap it up there so uh, thank you again very much for your for your input and hopefully people get a a better understanding of themselves that they missed in their education as a result of listening to you to you speaking about those topics today
1: yeah and and i want to just say that of course it's 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 a powerful thing to have a positive intent but it is a more powerful thing to live life without fear
0: (laughs) all right thank you very much rudy you're welcome